Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the Throwback Book Stack. I'm one of your hosts, Kelly. And I'm Emily. And if you haven't listened to us before, we are a podcast where we go back and we reread the books that we read in as kids, and we judge them, we judge ourselves. We do a lot of judging on this podcast. Fairly accurate. <laughs> Just a little bit of judging. And this week, we are going to read My Side of the Mountain by Jean Craighead George, which was published in 1959. And this was one that I put on our list because I read it previously and you had not. No, I did not read it as a kid. (laughs) Emily's making a lot of faces right now, so I think this is going to be a very fun adventure for all of us. Yeah, this was one that I read as a kid, I loved as a kid, and it's been kind of an exploration for me and Emily of learning one of my favorite genres as a kid was books where a child runs away and survives in the woods. This is a genre of books that Emily hates. Yes, I always avoided these as a kid, and it turns out there's a reason why, because I still, as an adult, I would not say it's my favorite genre. I still love them, so Emily's gonna have a rough fucking ride on this podcast. Um, But to give you a summary, so on our podcast, if you have not heard, uh, we spoil everything, so I'm gonna give you a full summary of the book. Um, So if you want to read it and not be spoiled, go read that, pause this podcast, come back. But if you want to hear what happened, so here's basically the book. A boy runs away to the woods and nothing bad happens. (laughs) Done. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the longer version is this boy, Sam, decides he's going to run away because his family used to have a farm where there is now the woods. So he goes out there Uh, and... I just want to add that he's running away from New York City, like born and raised in New York City. And he's going to run away to this farm in in the Catskills. They they don't say exactly where, but they say the Catskills, I think. So he runs away from the city to go live on this family farm that once existed in the woods that's now just overgrown land. But Um, they still own somehow? These are details we don't need to think about. It was the 50s. Things were different. So he goes and he runs away. And basically it's about him living his day-to-day life, adjusting to being out there, all the things he learns about the ways to catch fish and gather things and sort of his home. And along the way, he meets various people, Um, you know, various people come across him from little old ladies to a college professor that he thought was an outlaw who he befriends. Um, His father comes to visit. He becomes a falconer. He basically gets a baby falcon and trains it up and he befriends local wildlife. And in the end, sort of he realizes he's a bit lonely or wants human interaction. It's complex thing. And eventually his family just decides they're moving out there with him. So that's the book. There's not really, like, at one point there's a storm, which is a vague threat, but overall, he's sort of, anytime there's a slight challenge, he overcomes it. It's very wish fulfillment At one point, he literally says, it's easy to live out here. <laughs> and it's, like, not ironic, or he doesn't get his comeuppance or anything. He's just like, anyone could do it. It's so fucking easy. Yeah. I have so many issues with this book. Um, I just want to note that at one point, he's... When, Like, there's a lot of paragraphs that are very long and, like, describing exactly what he's doing or, like, this or that nature thing. And they're probably very informative. I don't know. They're really hard for me to read. And at one point he's describing one of them and he's like, this was tedious work. And I was like, you and me both, okay? (laughs) But there's nice little diagrams about how to make fish hooks and how to do outdoor, like, shelters. First of all, you cannot learn anything from those diagrams. These are the worst drawn diagrams I've ever seen in my my life. I'm sad. You want to try to make a fish hook off that diagram? You go ahead. (laughs) We'll see how far you get. 
I mean, probably pretty far because I, you've seen fish hooks, so you could probably like figure it out without the diagram, but still. So it's very much a sort of wish fulfillment book about running away. Uh, and the just he basically runs away and succeeds at it in all ways. And it gets into kind of the different like feelings of loneliness he has and what it means about his relationship to humanity in the city and the relationship of the city to the woods. He runs away from New York City, where he's lived his entire life. In a house with 11 people. New York City. Yeah. And all he does is, like, read a couple of nature books at the library and magically memorize every single fact in the world, I guess. And then he's like, I'm just gonna go do it. And then he does, and it's super easy. And I was like, I call bullshit. Especially when (laughs) there's so many times when he, like, even says, like, I was really unprepared. Or, like, I didn't think of it. Like, at one point, I have this marked in the very beginning... The first night he spends in the woods, he, like, is, like, cold and thirsty, but he doesn't want to get up because he doesn't want to try to walk to the stream in the dark because he didn't bring anything for, A, light, and, B, he didn't bring anything to hold water in. Like, not a water bottle or a flask or anything like that. Like, come on. He's just very resourceful, that's all. Oh he goes out there and he learns it from the land. He would have been dead if this were a real person. <laughs> he, he went out there in May. Like, he has a nice warm he went out there in summer May to learn. With nothing to hold water in and somehow magically was fine. There's a stream right there. Oh my god, you're as bad as him. <laughs> it's because I spent my childhood reading these books about running away. And he, I liked that there was someone who was very successful at it. And most of the books like this end with, and then I learned about the woods and went back home. And he's like, I live here now. Of course, then his family shows up and just was like, hey, I'm going to ruin your wilderness and build a house in your in your woodlands. Yeah, I want to say that the family, the ending is the most abrupt ending I've ever read in any book ever. Yeah, it's the ending is so abrupt. Bad. It's literally like his family shows up and he's like, what are you guys doing here? And they're like, we decided that if you wouldn't come home, we'd just come to you. Because he's been living there for a whole year and they knew it. And they knew he was running away and they're just kind of like, I mean, to be fair, I get it, because parents do this a lot, like, call their bluff, like, okay, we'll see how far you get, and they, like, come home, but he didn't, and instead of them being like, hey, come home, minor, like, underage child, I am still responsible for your life, they were just like, well, we know where he is, he's on that farm, and so finally, after a whole year, the mom's like, we're just gonna go to him, and they just show up, and they're like, we're gonna build a house here, and then he's like, what? And the book ends, it ends, like, in the middle of a sentence, like, it's... And then it was like, read the other two books in the series. And I was like, not likely. <laughs> I did. I really did. The thing that like is really frustrating about the ending is basically, so throughout the book, people are noticing there's this wild boy living out in the woods. And so articles start getting written about him. So the reason his family dragged all of his siblings out to the woods, their whole family, I made mean, their whole family move to the woods is because they decided, well, if you're out here, we'll come out here. But also like, Apparently, all the books or all the articles were very uh, accusatory about his mother letting him live out in the woods. And she's like, no. As they should be. (laughs) In Jean Craig and George's intro to the book, like she writes about how she ran away as a kid. and Her mom was like, you know, kissed her on the forehead and said, "Okay, go on. And she was back 40 minutes later. And then eventually her daughter, you know, was like, I'm going to run away. And so she kissed her on the forehead and said, have a good time. And then her daughter, you know, was gone for like an hour and came back. She just wanted to visualize a world where like, a child tried to run away and was highly successful. And just the wish fulfillment inside of me loves it. I grew up closer to the country, I think, than you did. Not necessarily in the country. Like, my grandparents owned a farm and stuff. So, like, 
I got some exposure to some wilderness. And like... I grew up within a visual distance of like BLM land and like regional parkland. Trees. There were trees. Great. I could see wilderness. Kind. <laughs> there know. were raccoons. This never seemed to like to appeal to me. Like I get the appeal, I guess, of running away. I don't want to live off the land, so that's first off a very like hard sell for me. This doesn't sound like fun. I also, I have so many questions about this particular book, I guess, about like how this all shakes out. My first one being like, he is a city kid and I just do not have faith in city kids. I don't think I'm country enough or like know enough about the wilderness. And I know some things like, and I'm like, oh, I wouldn't survive if you put me in that situation. But this like boy from New York. The only thing that didn't check for me was he, so he lives inside a tree. Which, how big is this damn tree? That was what I was wondering. So he carves out the inside of this tree and basically hollows out like this old sort of rotted out tree to like build a home. For one kid, I can see, okay, because there's huge, you know, oaks, like I can see. But at one point, there's two adult men also spending the night with him inside his tree. And they all fit and they can all lay down. And he also at that point has like a chimney that he built. Yeah, that's pretty wild. A bet, like it's like cute. I'm just like, mm, okay, this is not actually like a hobbit hole. <laughs> like this is just a tree, and it's like an oak tree. It's not like a redwood tree or something. I'm also confused how he didn't get straight up serial killed because he tells a lot of people where he lives. Oh my god, many things happen. First off, he hears like cop sirens one day, and so they're like chilling around the forest and stuff. And then he comes against a guy, and he thinks this guy is like. A fugitive runaway from the cops? Because he hears that bandits live in the woods sometimes. And so he just, like, is, like, straight up, oh, I'm going to make friends with you, and I'll call you Bando for Bandit. And he eventually finds out that this guy isn't a bandit. He's, like... like, He's a college English professor. Yeah, who was on a Boy Scout camping trip and got separated? No, he was on... He was hiking on his own, and he saw the campsite and thought it belonged to Boy Scouts, so he figured he'd hang out until nightfall, so when the scout troop got back, they could tell him how to get home. Great. I got confused about the scout thing. Yeah. But anyway, but he's not. But I was like, so your first thought when you found a fugitive was, was to be like, hey, you want dinner? How are you not murdered? Also, again, you are from New York. You know to stay away from like murderous strangers that you might find. Yeah, he was really friendly with everyone he met. It was very like, come hang out with me in the woods. And I'm like, don't do this, my child. But then he was all like, I don't want reporters finding out about me. And it's like, well, then maybe don't talk to every single person you see. But that's one thing that actually gets addressed in the book is at one point he has a dream where all the animals are talking and like his Falcon Frightful is the one to point out. That if he had actually not wanted everyone out there, he wouldn't have told people where he was and that this was a sign he was lonely. Yeah, they mentioned it a little, I don't know, it's weird because they kind of skate over a lot of that. Where, like, there's times when he's insisting he's not lonely and there's times when it is. I mean, you're allowed to be lonely, like, especially as a kid. That's a lot of forced alone time. Yeah. And, like, look, I've read a lot about, like, the hunter-gatherer thing and how, like, humans have evolved into this thing that doesn't necessarily make them happy. It was kind of like we evolved into living in cities and stuff because it gave us way to like have more offspring and like in species that's like an innate thing that people want to do is like populate. And so I get it. I get that like living in the woods and like foraging and stuff might be fun to some people. Not me, obviously, but (laughs) some people. But there was still just like so many issues. I just can't let go of the fact that the whole time I was just like, oh, this magical boy who just does everything right and it's super easy to just survive all the time. Like, how is the interesting about this compared to like all the other books of this type is normally, yeah, like 
the kid has all these challenges and it's his lack of knowledge or her lack of knowledge, typically him, because where are my girls out in the woods stories? Oh, wait, that was never a thing and I'm still bitter. So the boy goes out in the woods and doesn't know and struggles as a result and it like suffers losses and then overcomes as a result. And there was no overcoming in this book. It was just like a feel good woodland romp. Yeah, he really doesn't struggle ever. His struggles are so short. The first time he tried to make a fish hook, it fell apart. And so he made a second one and caught a fish. And this whole thing took him like two hours. And I was like, are you kidding me? This is like the woods equivalent of a beach read. Like it's light and fun. So like I would read this, I guess not on a beach. You know, if I'm just doing a little day hike, I might bring this with me, lie on a lawn up on a mountaintop and read this book. Also, I don't even know where to start. So he lives close to a town though in this woods? Yeah. Like the librarian just straight up knows he lives there. And like this English professor, of course, met him and knows him and stuff. So there are people who, like, know about him, and, like, his parents know about where he's at. His dad even comes and visits him for Christmas. Yeah. And then, like, leaves. And they're all just like, this is cool. Even his dad's like, is... I eat much better here out in the woods than I do at home. It's like, even if he is doing okay, this is not cool, first off. He's a runaway kid. They're also stupid. Everyone who knows anything about the wilderness or, like, even surviving off a farm or anything knows that the hardest months are after Christmas. When your stores start to get down, and even when spring comes, it's not like you're magically replenished just because it's warm. Like, things take time to grow and spring back up and stuff. By the time you get to, like, where you can grow your own food, it's, like, real lean times. And, like, that's when the coldest months hit you and all the weirdo weather things. And his dad was straight up just like, I'm here at Christmas. You're doing great. Okay, bye. I was like, he's gonna die. (laughs) Which would have made this book way more interesting. (laughs) I'm wondering, I mean, there are those books out there as well. I'm wondering if it's also just because this book is from the 50s. Was that just, like, cool to run away back then? I guess. I mean, we are from the Stranger Danger era, so I feel like running away was... To actually succeed at running away was less socially acceptable when we were young. Because we're from, like, Satanic Cult, Stranger Danger, Everyone Out to Get You era. Yeah, maybe, but this isn't even, like, every... I mean, the, the talking to the professor and stuff is. But, like, also I'm just, like, that people were like, oh, he'll be fine out there in like January through March. Oh yeah, the amount of people that he tells I've run away and they're just like, isn't that a thing? I have a quote. When he hitchhikes out to the, originally out there, he basically hitchhikes with a truck driver. And it is, I said to him, this is as far as I am going. He looked all around and said, you live here? No, I said, but I'm running away from home. And this is just the kind of forest I have always dreamed I would run to. I think I'll camp here tonight. I hopped out of the cab. Hey boy, the driver shouted. Are you serious? Sure, I said. Well now, ain't that something? You know, when I was your age, I did the same thing. Only thing was, I was a farm boy and ran to the city, and you're a city boy running to the woods. I was scared of the city. Do you think you'll be scared of the woods? Heck no, I shouted loudly. And so everyone's telling him, oh yeah, go ahead. And then when he succeeds, no one's like, you should come home now. They're like, hey, good job. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, no one's concerned when he's constantly telling people he's run away to the woods, and I kind of get in the sense of, like, oh, yeah, you'll be back, but when he doesn't come back, no one goes to look for him? And, like, what would happen if he got sick or something? They're literally just like, he'll be okay. Like, how did he not get sick? Oh, my God, I have so many problems with this. (laughs) It's that clean living. It's like Whole30 for your whole body and soul. Even just changing up your diet and stuff is, like, you can get sick even if it's not... My head's gonna explode from this book. I know. Let's talk about his clothes for a second. Where he makes himself pants. <laughs> he makes himself an entire outfit. Yeah. Does he make shoes, actually? Yes, he I, sews okay. moccasins. It's how he gets rid of his sadness so, once Bando leaves. First off, he, like, decides he needs new clothes because the clothes he ran away with was, like, literally what he was wearing and, like, two extra sweaters. 
or like getting really like threadbare. Like, does he not bring anything with him? He brought like a an axe. also like that was what it. he got wasn't super suited for his lifestyle, right? So he just randomly brings nothing with him to this woods. Yeah, <laughs> he brings like flint and an axe, and it's like you could have brought something, dude. Yeah. Like a blanket. So he, like, decides to sew these new clothes because he gets, like, a deer skin, which we're going to go back to killing deer in a second because that's a whole other issue I have. I feel like his plan for deer was reasonable, but yes, go on. And he just, A, can, like, magically sew. So great. And these are, like, perfect clothes that, like, fit him and are, like, clean. First off, if you actually saw him in real life, he'd be wearing some weird things that are, like, pieced together and, like, gaping holes and, like, are obviously not sewn well and smell terrible. At one point, he goes into town wearing this buckskin suit that he sewed himself and, like, he's talking to another dude. And the other kid is just, like, kind of comments on it and he's like, oh, yeah, it looks like a costume of Daniel Boone that my friend has or my brother has or something. And I'm like, no, you'd be like, what the shit are you wearing, first off? <laughs> also, it smells. Like, yeah, and also, like, stand 10 feet away, dude, because you smell ripe. I mean, that's also one thing that did get me was because I'm so used to these books talking about how hard sewing hide is, like, and how hard sewing, like, tanned leather is. Often the, like, I'm making these bone needles and breaking them is a thing in other books. So the fact that he just, like, sewed a thing, I was like, oh, that seems so easy. Good job. Yeah, right? And he made himself underwear and mittens. And yeah, like, floofy underwear. Yeah. Seems very soft and nice and comfy. It was crazy. I was just like, mm, I'm not buying this. It's the wish fulfillment. Like, Ugh. we just read books about dragons, and you're like, dragons, all that, checks out, wizards, great, there magic, logic fine. in that universe? Boy living in the woods, <laughs> no. There was a lot more logic in the universe. That's asking me to suspend disbelief at, like, really big things, not at things like, I do not believe that a, how old is he? 12? 14? I have no clue how old he is. I don't know. I do not believe that a 12-year-old boy who has never sewn anything before could magically sew himself a well-fitting suit out of deerskin on his first go. I would believe I he could sew an ill-fitting suit of it. My attempts to learn to sew on my own were not classified as successful per se, but they did achieve in making the item I wanted. It just wasn't super great. But he's out in the woods. He doesn't need to appeal to anyone. Yeah, but then they don't mention, like, he's always like, it fit really well and it looked great. And then no one in, when well, I went in mind, town though, noticed it. He, I mean, that's his perspective. But the fact that the boy in town was just like, looks just like my brother. You, I mean, this is him being really proud that he made this thing. And so he's like, oh, it's perfect. Yeah, it probably did look terrible. But to him, it's all about his point of view that it's perfect. Probably every storekeeper was like putting out the clothes sign when he walked by. It's like, it's about his point of view. And he spends a lot of the book in denial. Like everyone points out that his Falcon points out, like you wouldn't be telling where you lived if you were, you know, weren't afraid of being alone. And he's, he's constantly telling himself how happy he is to be alone. He's not lonely. So it's a lot of it is him basically being in denial about everything. I also have a lot of issues with that Falcon, but it's one of those things where it's like, I feel like I don't know exactly enough about Falcons to like argue any points, but I just don't know. First off, again, he like easily steals this Falcon. <laughs> he doesn't so easily easy. steal it. He gets clawed pretty good. That's it though. But he like finds the nest and he takes the Falcon and then he raises her and she's like a magical Falcon who can do everything. I feel like if you're raising a falcon in captivity, it's a lot harder. A lot of the falcons that people used back in the day when, like, that was, like, a thing to go, like, falcon hunting and stuff. That's still a thing. I'm pretty sure a lot of them they got when they were grown. Like, they caught them when they were older. 
I don't know, because I think... Oh, that's true. I don't know. See, that's the thing, is that I don't know a lot about cup falcons and stuff, but I just... I have a hard time believing that one that, like, he raised from that young would be so, like... He the can, capable that, hunting skills for one like, he raised was my question. Right, Because well, typically exactly. modeling behavior is how you learn. Exactly. That he was just like, this falcon flies perfect, and it comes to me all the time, and it can hunt everything, and it gets me food, and, like... Yeah, Frightful's awesome. Yeah. I didn't. Not seeing the problem here. Ugh. Oh, okay. So the deer problem I have. What's your problem with the deer? Is I that... think it's perfectly logical, but yes, tell tell me why well, it's not. He's like stealing all these deer yeah. from the hunters. But then later when he's like they're like talking about how they found him and how the reporters knew he was there and they're like, Well, you were stealing all those deer and he's like, No, I wasn't. I was getting the ones that the hunters like shot and then couldn't find and I was like no, first off, you straight off said at one point that you were, like, sneaking in there before they could get to them and, like, dragging them in a bush so that they couldn't find them. Yeah, and, and so then, they couldn't find them, so right, it was then free that game. that hunters were, like, that these guys go out there and they were, like, think that that's normal to have that many missing deer? Okay, maybe once in a while a deer gets wounded and staggers away and dies somewhere where they can't tra- track it, but, like... Come on. They shot it. They saw where it was. They were walking towards it. And then it's gone. He didn't take that it many deer, a though. A single deer's worth of meat t- will last one human a while. He took, like, three. Yeah. That's not bad for a hunting season. I feel like that's a lot when it happens all at once, all in one place. Like, the hunters would go back and talk and be like, yeah, I think that wild boy up there might be stealing them. But he was aghast at the, like, no. Me? Well, that first How would one... anyone notice me stealing these deer? That first one was legit. That first one, they did not find that deer carcass. So he was like, hey, my woods, my deer, you ain't coming for it. That's fine. Don't leave your deer lying around. Clean up after your deer. Yeah, I guess these are like the world's worst hunters out there. Yeah. And also, I mean, I guess in the I'm 50s... I'm surprised he never got shot at given he was dressed as a deer, basically. Yeah, I mean, they talk about the one time, like for the, like the first day of hunting season, he's worried. But then after that, he's like, I was fine. Also, these are like the most lackadaisical hunters in the world back in the 50s. There is no rules about where you can hunt. <laughs> They're tramping around on supposedly private grounds, just hunting them deer. It's fine. Well, it's not clear if this land is owned or not, because there is a trail right by the farm that is a popular hiking path. So I think it's not super clear the state of the ownership of this land. <laughs> I have no clue. So they keep referring to it as like their farmland and they make it sound at the beginning like the family just up and left. But then they're also like the family needs money because there's 11 kids and it's like, why don't you like sell that land? It's very confusing. What are they going to do now? Like at the end of the book, they're like, oh, well, you are living off the land. So now we are. And I was like, this not this isn't how you have no plan. Oh, my God. Especially like you're this is able where to that kid gets it from. <laughs> build a house that's true i mean it seems like a family tradition and it seems like also building a house in the middle of the woods would be hard yeah and then also like what so you're gonna hunter gather forage for 11 kids i mean though they are right by town so in theory they can go to town and get supplies as they want because it's not hard money i don't know (laughs) then you need to be making money somehow they might still have jobs outside the woods i don't know he was a sailor (laughs) oh yeah Look, they're not a family of planners. That's just not what they do. No, they're not. At one point, he talks about how he's not. He was like, those early days were such a surprise to me. Oh, well, he's talking about the time that he got enough food. And he was like, and that was the first time I had planned ahead. Any planning I did in those early days was such a surprise to me and so successful that I was delighted with even a small plan. And it's like, 
As someone who has planned extensively for backpacking trips, that is slightly irksome. <laughs> See? I will I will acknowledge that is mildly irksome. This is a visual thing, but I just, I really hated the illustrations in this one. Oh, yeah, there are some, okay, I mean, they're fine. I feel like we've had worse illustrations in books we've read. I just didn't love them. I was like, I almost wish they weren't here, although I did like them because then it meant that I got to skip that page faster. Look, you monster. the more I talk about this, the more I'm like, at first I was like, this book was not for me, but I didn't hate it. But I'm realizing there's a lot of things that really rubbed me wrong in it. I kind of love how judgy they are about basically every other non-living-in-the-woods lifestyle. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is, Bando had to leave two or three days after Christmas. He had some papers to grade, and he started off reluctantly one morning, looking very unhappy about the way of life he had chosen. I love it. And, like, Bando is so sad when... The family's moving in, and when the boys start, like, when Sam starts to, like, want to go see people in civilization, like, at one point he tells Bando to bring him jeans because he might go hang out with his new friend in town. Bando's weird relying on this boy as, like, some sort of vicarious lifestyle is my favorite thing because I would literally do the same if I were him. I would be like, I'm so into this life. I want to just vacation here all the time. I need to, like, live vicariously through you in this beautiful experience. I'd be like, 911? Yeah, there's a boy living in the woods? Can you, like, round him up? They tried. They can't find him. The cops came out for him twice. They did not try that hard, to be fair. That's true. <laughs> okay, also, at one point, he gets sprayed by a skunk at, like, very close quarters. It's mentioned in the paragraph, and then he goes about doing other things, and it's never brought back up again. I kind of call bullshit on that. I have never actually been sprayed by a skunk. But as I understand it, it's, like, intense. It's, like kind of close to like pepper spray or something mm -hmm. and it's not just like the bad smell remnants that you get but then also there is a bad smell that like lingers and you're trying to get out of things and he's all like i was sprayed it was annoying anyway he just lives his wood life smelling like that what i mean why does it matter how he smells because it's like intense like it's not just oh it smells bad but you get used to it it's it like smells like the beauty of nature no it doesn't <laughs> There's a reason that even animals run away from that. So I spent this book planning my next backpacking trip, and I'm very <laughs> excited. It was very inspiring. <laughs> I spent this book huddled up on my bed with a space heater on, being like, like, ah, technology. I don't go hiking enough. Like, I need to, like, I had, my next trip was planned for, like, May, but I'm like, I can throw some extra early season ones in there. It's fine. All it makes me want to do is go to the woods. This book is very inspiring. Bando is also, like, kind of magically good at things, and his thing is music. He's, like, yeah. a saxophone player, I guess. But it also means that he can make perfect flutes out of, like, willow reeds and stuff and play, like, real songs on them with, like, without any effort. Just like, yeah, this is how you do this. Yeah, I can play whatever you want. I don't know. I mean, I know that musicians can do, like, a little bit of that, but, like, it was very, very effortless. I mean, maybe, you know, he went camping on as a kid and made these reed pipes. Like, we don't know. Lives his life. I like Bando. It's that thing where you're just trying to get unlost in the wood and you come across a strange child and you decide to just hang out with him for a week. I also wonder why his dad wasn't confused when he showed up at Christmas and there was like this strange full-grown man living in his son's treehouse. He did not question it. They just became really fast friends. Yeah. Everyone just loves this life. Everyone sees Sam living this life and they're just inspired and they all feel good about it and like envious... That's funny that you went to that, because my thought with that was like, man, his dad is the fucking worst. <laughs> like, his dad's chill as fuck. Kind of, but he's kind of like high strung in the beginning. Like, he's like a sailor, and he's like always yelling and stuff. I don't know. And like, when his son leaves, like, he doesn't 
leave in like an inspirational way like i believe in you buddy or whatever he's always just like you think you can do it and fucking do it i don't care like, yeah that's inspirational it's not chill that's it's just a challenge like, that's like i would call cps on you if i met you now dude <laughs> i don't know like i also like that his dad is a bad planner because when he comes out to the woods to find his son his plan is just to yell his son's name till he finds him which works i was like <laughs> worst plan ever and he's like i knew this would work did you? This family has been blessed with the luck of the woodlands. Oh. Like, I feel like there is actually like an urban fantasy story happening under this where we find out that there's actually some form of sylph or like forest spirit or forest creature that is actually like looking out for the descendants of, of the, the clan and like is looking out for the descendants on this line in the woods. And so even though they're like not planners and don't know how to do anything they feel like they do because the woodland spirits are like protecting them and like pushing fish onto their hooks and like sneaking in and fixing things in the middle of the night keeping the weather mild protecting their storage from you know woodland creatures there's actually a very good fantasy novel like right below this that you're missing it's in the subtext yeah i clearly didn't get that <laughs> and well you just need to read the book harder i mean to be fair there was a lot where i was like oh there's a lot of eye rolling in this or just like glancing longingly at my beer like do i need another to get through this it's not a long book it felt really long it's like, not a long book at all it felt really dense i was like texting someone about reading it and i was like this book is taking me forever to read okay the person that told me to read a 300 page book the other day it flew by <laughs> <sighs> okay to go by very quickly but still like this book is not that long it is a wee little book it's not it's not even 200 pages. And they're like little pages. Those are like big paragraphs. There's not a lot There's of dialogue. Pictures. He also writes journal entries on like the bark of trees. <laughs> yeah, he does. <laughs> it keeps stacked up. I also call bullshit on that. He's like, it's waterproof and stuff, so I could just like leave it outside. And it's like, okay, it's waterproof, but it's not magical. First off, I think he's writing in like charcoal. And I was like, that's gonna like just run right off when it gets wet. And I was like, bark also like molds and stuff. That's the whole point is it falls to the forest floor and becomes new soil. There's also the fact that it could like blow away. Like, listen, I have a lot of problems that he was like, and then I just stacked the bark up outside and it's fine. It's a good thing he's being protected by the spirits of the forest. Oh, he has this one where he got, he's like, oh, this is accompanied by, I'm going to say in quotes, a picture. <laughs> it's just scribbles, Kelly. <laughs> you can kind of make out a face. I'm not a fan of the illustrations in this book. They're, like, supposed to be highly stylized to look scribbly, but I think they went too far. And he's like, I was writing more about animals now and less about myself, which proves I was feeling pretty safe. Here is an interesting entry. And as soon as I read that, I was like, I'm only a drink before this entry. Because <laughs> I doubt we have the same definition of interesting. However, it was one of the more interesting parts of the book. So the entry goes, February 6th. The deer have pressed in all around me. They are hungry. Apparently, they stamp out yards in the valleys where they feed during dawn and dusk, but many of them climb back to the hemlock grove to hide and sleep for the day. They manage the deep snows so effortlessly on those slender hooves. If I were to know that a million years from today, my children's children's children were to live as I am living in these mountains, I should marry me a wife with slender feet and begin immediately to breed a race with hooves, that the Catskill children of the future might run through the snows and the meadows and the marshes as easily as the deer. What the fuck? <laughs> I don't have any problem with this. Ugh. He writes an entry about how he wants to marry a woman with small feet so he can start breeding 
deer children so they can walk on snow and then just like no commentary after that that was it that was the end and i was like what (laughs) and this leads into the fantasy novel where he ends up meeting a centaur woman and getting married see it all comes around um i also don't really love his voice like just the way he thinks and stuff and you're in his head he is very like cocky and confident and just kind of like talks down like even at hypothetical people like the person reading this sometimes See, I didn't and see it that way. I saw him just very self-confident. I, I did not care for it. There's also, like, weird things. Like, I marked this one where he's talking about how he sees the first signs of spring, and he's really excited. My heart beat faster. I think I was trembling. The valley also blurred. The only thing I that can do that is tears, so I guess I was crying. And I was like, what? What a fucking weird way to put that. <laughs> to he say you cry because you're happy. Ugh. He's so full of feelings. Well, I didn't care for it. <laughs> Have you considered you're dead inside? Maybe. You don't feel the call to the woods? I stopped at a certain point marking things in the book that, like, annoyed me or I thought might be a little off and just started marking weird things, like that passage (laughs) or, like, this one where he meets this guy who's, like, a musician, a different musician, not Bando. He does meet a lot of people. He meets a lot of people in these woods. Yeah, and he was, like, humming and stuff and he starts to talk to him. Basically, he wants to know the songs that Aaron was singing, and he teaches Aaron some of the, like, made-up songs that he does. And there's this, like, weird passage of dialogue. (laughs) I learned he wrote songs and that he was from New York. He had come to the Catskills for the Passover festivities and had wandered off for the day. He was about to go back when I sat down and said, I heard you humming. Yes, he said. I hum a good deal. Can you hum? Yes, I replied. I can hum. I hum a good deal, too. And even sing. (laughs) is terrible (laughs) and also who can't hum (laughs) like everyone can hum like babies hum it's just making a noise maybe i mean it's like how not everyone can whistle that's different that's a skill you have to learn how to whistle if you eat your bread crust you whistle that's my dad always told me what (laughs) he always said if you eat your bread crust that's how you like that's how you whistle by eating bread crusts this is like a lie to make us eat our bread crust, but I kind of love it. I tell it to people still. Like, people who are like, I can't whistle. I'm like, well, do you eat your bread crust? Like, I tell it to my niece. My niece really hates bread crusts. I'm always like, well, if you don't eat them, you won't whistle. And she's like, yeah, I guess you're right. <laughs> I guess I accepted this as her lot in life. I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I wrestle, I whistle really well, but I also eat all my bread crusts. So. I mean, I do too, but I'm a fair to middling whistler, so I feel like... I feel like I've been shafted because I consume a lot of carb-related products, and I feel like I've always eaten my bread crust, so I should be, like, I should be a bird at this point. Like, it should be me out there with the nightingales. Not really how that works, but (laughs) you don't become more like a bird the more you whistle. But, like, I'm just saying, like, I should be a better whistler. I should be able to do some sort of cool whistle tricks. Is that a thing? I can whistle like a cricket. Is that a whistle trick? Yes. Do it. (laughs) Okay, hold on. can't do it when I'm laughing. Because <laughs> you can't whistle when you laugh. That's creepy as fuck. <laughs> Did you not know I could do that? No. I'm learning things all the time about you. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to have some use for this to troll someone with. And just give me some time. I'm going to do some planning. All we'll right. have a thing. You know where I live. I mean, kind I of. don't actually. <laughs> That's a lie. I mean, you could know where I live pretty easily. It's not like it's a secret. I just live really far from you. That's fair. So this book is still a thing. I had nothing else. I just, I didn't care for it. I cared for it so much. I don't think this is my genre. I'm willing to give it a try. It was like, maybe it'll be like a relaxing, nice book. And I just did not like this character, I think. 
I get what you're saying. Like, maybe it is supposed to be wish fulfillment, but, like, I wasn't into it. I was like, it's too easy for him. Even if the details were changed, like, if he grew up on the country or something and wanted to go, I'd give it a little bit more leeway. But, like, I can't. I can't. A boy who has never left New York City, like, he's never left New York City in his life. And he literally is just like, this is easy. I think I have a new goal. I am going to find something in this genre that you like. And <laughs> I it's going to be <laughs> it's going to be a long hard journey and you're going to hate every step of it. It's going to be really fun for me though. <laughs> I do not care for this. Like how much Gary Paulson can I make you read? Oh god. <laughs> I had a physical reaction. That. <laughs> it was not a good one. <laughs> I'm going to have a lot of fun with this. I'll space them out, don't worry. Just whenever you're like getting comfortable. Bam, another book about woods gross although my goal is i do want to find out if there's a book i don't know about that girl runs away to live in the woods because i want that i can't help you i know if there is i didn't read it <laughs> i didn't either so like i don't know i'll have to quest on this one i don't know i'm just gonna throw a lot of books you're gonna hate at you great great Look forward <laughs> to it. i'm a good friend <laughs> i've never said that that wasn't for me <laughs> all right well i guess any other quotes you want to share anything else no i'm i read it I finished it. You didn't really, like, vibe with the, the themes of I nature really versus city didn't. and, like, self-denial and identity? Because those themes didn't come up as much. Like, if there would have been, I think, more exploring the, like, are you happier as a hunter-gatherer? Or, like, a little bit better exploration of him being hungry. Or, not hungry, um, lonely. Or, like, even explaining how he gathered these skills. Or, like, what would come of it? Maybe I would like it more? It, it felt like a walled in for younger people and i did not care for it Ugh. yeah it is but like worse somehow well i don't know i have mixed feelings on Walden. i mean he even bando even calls him thoreau at one point so it's like ugh. i also i do want to say actually one other comment was that there was a part about eating mushrooms and he's like very very cautious about eating mushrooms there's only like one type he eats i guess he went to the botanical gardens in new york and was like talking to the mushroom expert and the mushroom expert was like, even I won't eat the mushrooms that I find in the wild because there's just too much chance. I don't know if that's true because I know a lot of people who want mild mushrooms, but I do think that she was being like, okay, well, I can tell kids to run away and go live in the woods, but I probably can't tell kids just to eat whatever fucking mushrooms they find. <laughs> yeah, I would tell, I would do what I could to dissuade the child not to eat mushrooms because <laughs> if nothing else, I feel like that gives a good chance. <laughs> yeah, that was my only other note. I guess we are at ratings then. I am looking forward to seeing what your rating is. Yeah, I'm going to give this like a two because I did not care for it. Maybe like a two and a half because I feel a little guilty. No, I'm sticking with the two. I didn't like it. I just didn't. I really, it felt like a grind to read it. It felt dense. It was just, I had too many issues. Like what I said, by the end, I was just looking for little nitpicky weird things like that hum thing, <laughs> which is just like two lines. I just, I couldn't get into it, did not like it. Maybe it's just that it's the nature genre thing, but did not care for it. I'm going to give it a six and a half because it does have a number of problems with the fact that there's no conflict or challenges or he just sort of lives his life. But it's like, a, I've, I found it a fun wilderness romp. It's very id related. It's very wish fulfillment-y. And my younger self loved it. My older self still enjoyed it. I felt like it was a good representation of the genre. Great. <laughs> I only wish I could, in audio form, capture your face right now and the look of just sad horror as you hold your mimosa for life in your hands. 
This genre is not for me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I think uh, you would probably recommend this to no one, I'm guessing. No, not even people I know who like nature. If you like nature, you find your own damn books. I'm not recommending this to you. I would give it to a child who wants to run away as a distraction and hopefully to make them like try to succeed in their dreams. <laughs> I don't know if this will help them succeed. They're going to think it's real easy. I mean, but they'll learn all sorts of skills. There's all sorts of things discussed. Just imagine you meeting children on like the street corner and being like, hey, kid, want to run away? Read this. Yeah, I don't know if it'd be helpful to kids that, like, have that runaway instinct or not. You don't think those diagrams in there are helpful? <laughs> well, I mean, helpful in the sense of, like, I don't know how it would affect their decision process. Hmm. I don't know. It depends. Is their dad a terrible dad like this one? I feel like it would inform that there is no phone reception out there, and that might be helpful information for them to have. Yeah, they didn't have phones back then. I mean, they had phones. It's not, like, phones phones. Yeah, that's what I meant. Like, they didn't have cell phones. <laughs> I mean, but anyone um, that likes the genre, I'd recommend this too. I feel like hitchhiking is a lot harder for kids now. I don't think a 12-year-old can <laughs> hitchhike as easily. That's true. Yeah, a lot of the hitchhiking factor is maybe not as youth-oriented as it was in the 50s. Um, but yeah, I think I'd recommend this to anyone that likes this genre and is into the sort of kid gets lost in the woodbook. I think it's a good one of the genre if that's what you're into. The ending is definitely weird. I do like how it kind of ends abruptly because I feel like it's also like how his life out there ends abruptly. I mean, he's living this sort of long, very like languid life of wilderness living that's just sort of focused on survival and his family comes out and basically that's the end of him living as like this wild boy, like civilization in the city has come to him. And so when it ends abruptly, it's because like, yeah, for him, everything ended abruptly. Literally, the last words of the book are, and that ended it. Yeah, I had a different feeling, which was like, man, I bet the author was as sick of writing this as I am of reading it. (laughs) Got dark. I didn't like it. (laughs) Anyway, those are our feelings on this book. Do you have any final feelings? No, I'm done. Goodbye forever, book. (laughs) If you want to keep listening to us, we will be back in two weeks, and we will be talking about a classic many are familiar with, uh, C.S. Lewis's The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. If you want to get in touch with us before then, uh, you can email us at throwbackbookstack at gmail.com. We are also on Twitter, so come and tweet at us. Emily doesn't do social media, so Emily does not know our Twitter account really exists. I don't know that Twitter really exists. So that's all me. So please save me from loneliness and tweet at me at throwbackbspod. Uh, Let me know if you like the book, if you like the episode, if you are also with me on the fact that this genre is awesome and everyone should love these child runs away in the woods books let me know please don't leave me alone on the sad world of the <laughs> world of the internet <laughs> it's so lonely so lonely other than that yeah we'll be back in two weeks so i hope you come back and join us then <laughs>